Well, you know, one day I was sleeping off a hangover on a Sunday morning and she was getting ready to go to church and uh, she looked at me and she said, why don't you come to church with me today? And I thought, you know, I'm going to go and, and see if I could rescue her from this cult. Lee Strobel's plan to rescue his wife didn't go quite the way he planned. We're going to hear about it on this episode of GPS, God People Stories. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. One of the biggest issues for Lee to work through as he tried to disprove Christianity was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's something you're going to hear Billy Graham talk about a little later in this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, if I did not believe that Christ bodily rose from the grave, I would quit preaching. Christianity would be a hopeless religion without the resurrection of Jesus. But because of the very fact of the resurrection, you can find true hope and peace when you have a relationship with Jesus, we can tell you a lot more. Here's where we can do so. The website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. GPS. God. People. Stories. My parents um, went to a mainline uh, uh, denominational church. Um, I, my mom definitely had a born-again experience as a teenager. Um, I believe my father was a believer, but they were very private and personal about their faith, and they uh, decided to leave it to me whatever decision I would make in terms of my own belief system. The decision Lee Strobel would eventually make was to believe that God doesn't exist. And so there were three steps that led me into atheism. The first one was in junior high school when I began asking the tough questions that young people ask. How can there be a loving God if there's so much pain in the world? Well, how could a loving God send people to hell? And uh, nobody was really willing to engage me on those issues. So I concluded there are no good answers. And then in high school, taking a course in uh, biology and being taught that Darwinism explains the origin and diversity of life, I figured that puts God out of a job. And then in college, taking a course on the historical Jesus taught by a skeptic that taught me you can't trust the Gospels. Lee attended two of the most respected colleges in the country, and then he landed a job at one of the most respected newspapers in the country. My background's in journalism and law, so I tend to be a skeptical person. It's kind of woven into my DNA. Um, Went to Yale Law School for a Master of Studies in Law degree in journalism school at the University of Missouri, and I was legal editor uh, of the Chicago Tribune. By the time Lee began working at the Tribune, he was married to his high school sweetheart. Her name is Leslie. She wasn't a dyed-in-the-wool atheist like Lee, but she wasn't a follower of Jesus either. She kind of always believed in God, didn't quite understand how Jesus fit in the picture. It was just kind of a puzzle, uh, like a jigsaw puzzle that wasn't put together yet. And uh, it was through a friendship with a Christian nurse who we met, um, who became her best friend, who shared Jesus with her and brought her to church, that over time she heard the gospel and and, and understood that Jesus uh, is uh, the unique Son of God and that it's through Him that we can uh, be forgiven of our sins and adopted into His family. That happened when Lee and Leslie were in their mid-20s. Lee says it led to the most stressful and difficult period of their marriage. We're at odds on things we never used to be at odds about. How to raise our children, how to spend our weekends, how to spend our money. She wanted to give money to the church. I thought that was, you know, might as well just flush it down the toilet. Um, she she um, wanted to go to church on weekends. I wanted to, you know, go out drinking on Saturday night and uh, sleep off my hangover on Sunday morning. Um, she wanted to 
help train the children in faith. And, and I didn't want them to become Christians because then I thought they would think less of their dad, who's not a Christian. Because every day is numbered and there's no turning back. And time has proven it's nobody's friend. There's one incident in particular that's a good example of the turmoil Lee was experiencing because of Leslie's new faith. When she first told me that she had become a Christian, I was so mad. I went out and she had planted a, a beautiful flower garden in our backyard and I was cutting the lawn and I just mowed down her whole flower garden just in frustration over the whole situation. So there was a lot of, uh, a lot of angst uh, over those uh, two years when we were spiritually mismatched. At first, Lee thought about divorce, but he loved Leslie, and he couldn't deny the positive changes he was seeing in her. He says there was a push and pull going on. You know, the positive changes in her values and character attracted me toward the faith. At the same time, uh, it made me angry, and it made me angry because it, it was as if she was holding up a mirror, and it, I was seeing in the contrast between my life, which was corroded with sin and corruption, um, I was seeing the contrast between that and this increasingly holy life that Leslie was leading. And it made me face things about myself that I didn't want to face. So it wasn't that she was uh, judging me or shaming me. Her merely living an increasingly faithful life to Jesus accentuated the ugliness of my own life and the immorality of my own behavior and it made me angry. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to acknowledge any of that. So how did Lee get from that place of resenting Leslie for her faith in Jesus to becoming a follower of Christ himself? Well, you know, one day I was sleeping off a hangover on a Sunday morning, and she was getting ready to go to church. And uh, she looked at me and she said, why don't you come to church with me today? And I thought, you know, I'm going to go and, and see if I could rescue her from this cult. So um, I said, I'm going to bring my reporter's notebook from the Chicago Tribune because I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to find a scandal. And that way I can, you know, expose this church for the, the fraud that it is. The church was the well-known Willow Creek Community Church. It's pastored by Bill Hybels. And um, he gave a message called Basic Christianity. And it was the first time, here I was almost 30 years old, living in Chicago. About, it was the first time I ever understood the gospel. And I walked out that day saying, number one, I didn't believe it. I was still a skeptic. But number two, I realized if this is true, this has huge implications for my life. So that's when I decided to take my legal training and journalism training and investigate it. Because I knew that if Jesus had lived, he had left behind evidence of that. And I knew just as you can investigate the writings of Josephus or Suetonius or Tacitus or any other ancient writer, you could take those same investigative techniques and apply them to the Gospels to try to determine, is it telling us the truth? Are they, are they reporting what really happened? And so um, that's when I launched this investigation, thinking that I could disprove Christianity in a weekend. Jesus, Jesus, I've got a million problems on my mind that I can't seem to reconcile. So what do I do with that? Jesus, Jesus, I've got a million answers, none seem right. I've got more gray than black and white. What do I do with that? Lee's investigation ended up taking a lot longer than one weekend. It took almost two years before he determined that he couldn't disprove Christianity or the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, it really is a cumulative case. You know, there wasn't one single thing that did it, but it was over time as I began to look. And there were really four areas. The first was the execution of Jesus. And was he really dead? You have to have a dead body before you can have a resurrection. So I didn't know if he was dead. And, um, you know, as I researched that, uh, I found that um, even the atheist New Testament scholar, Gerd Ludemann, says it's indisputable that Jesus was dead. Uh, through crucifixion. Even the Journal of the American Medical Association uh, did the uh, analysis uh, in a peer-reviewed article of the historical evidence and the medical evidence and concludes that Jesus was dead even before the wound to his side was inflicted. Uh, We've got five ancient sources outside the Bible confirming his death. So clearly he was killed by crucifixion. Then the second thing was I thought this was a legend that he was resurrected, and I knew it took time for legend to develop in the ancient world. Um, But we have a report of the resurrection um, saying that Jesus died for our sins, he was buried, he rose on the third day, and then it mentions the specific names of eyewitnesses to whom he appeared. That's been dated back by scholars to within months of his death. So it's, it, it comes virtually immediately after the death of Jesus, like a newsflash from ancient history. Much too early to write it off as a legend. So the third thing was the empty tomb. Uh, even the opponents of Jesus implicitly admitted the tomb was empty. Uh, the question is, how did it get empty? Um, and then the, the fourth area were the eyewitnesses. You know, most of what we know from ancient history, we know from one or two sources. And yet, for the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the resurrected Jesus, we've got nine ancient sources inside and outside the New Testament confirming and corroborating his conviction, uh, the conviction of the disciples that Jesus had appeared to them. Finally, it all amounted to what Lee calls an avalanche of historical data in support of Christianity. When you put it all together, it was as if the scales just kind of ultimately shifted. And and I said, you know, um, uh, I would be turning my back on the evidence if I were to continue to maintain my atheism. Um, The most logical step I could take would be a step in the same direction the evidence is pointing by putting my trust in Christ. Yes, it's a step of faith. But, you know, if I were to maintain my atheism, I would be swimming upstream against a current of evidence flowing the other direction. That's not logical. That's not rational. When we take a step in the same direction the evidence is pointing, that makes sense to do. And that's what I ended up doing on November the 8th of 1981. You got truth that's sometimes hard to swallow. And for everything else that I don't get, you make sense. November 8th, 1981. It's a memorable day for Lee and for his wife, Leslie. Oh, well, she, <laughs> she was... Um, uh, overjoyed she burst into tears and threw her arms around my neck and was was crying and and uh said you know i almost gave up on you a thousand times um but you know early on in this process this spiritual mentor that she had linda gave her a verse and said pray this verse for lee it's ezekiel thirty six twenty six, and it says moreover i will give you a new heart and i will put a new spirit within you i will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And uh, so this whole two years that I'm on this spiritual investigation, what I never knew was that Leslie, behind the scenes, every day was praying that verse for me, that God would crack open my hard heart, that he would um, uh, draw me into his kingdom, 
And, um, you know, she was faithful. She prayed uh, every single day. And uh, then she saw, starting on November the 8th of 1981, how God began to answer that prayer. Because, as I say, all my values and morality and character began to change. And those changes were dramatic. So much so that our daughter, Allison, who was five years old when I came to faith, and had only known for the first five years of her life a dad who was absent, uh, angry, coming home drunk. Um, uh, that's all. That was her entire experience. But starting on that day that I put my trust in Christ, she started to watch. There's something different with dad. There's something changing with dad. There's something new with dad. And uh, she observed my behavior, my language, my life for about, I guess, five or six months. And then one day she came up to Leslie and she said, Mommy, I want God to do for me what he's done for daddy. And that's the day she gave her life to Christ. And, and then my son, same thing. You know, my son saw the difference God was making in his mom, his dad, and his sister. He came to faith at a young age, too. It's raining, it's pouring, and you are restoring my soul. Whoa, whoa. Today, Lee and Leslie's son is a theology professor, and their daughter is a Christian novelist. Lee got out of the newspaper business a few years after giving his life to Christ, and he's been in full-time ministry work ever since. God really rescued our family. We were on a course for certain destruction had we stayed on the track we were on. God rescued our family, and he changed my son and my daughter and my wife and me. And now, you know, Leslie and I um, have been married for almost 46 years now. Lee Strobel began his quest to disprove the claims of Jesus Christ on January 20th, 1980. He surrendered his life to that same Jesus on November 8th, 1981. Ultimately, you could research this stuff forever, but I realized, you know, after a year and nine months, you've got the evidence you need to reach a conclusion. And so I just sort of reviewed all the evidence, and, and, and it, it was sort of formed uh, a portrait. It was like the puzzle pieces came together and formed a portrait of Jesus, the unique Son of God. And uh, that was just too compelling for me to turn my back on. Strobel realized he could no longer ignore the reality of Jesus Christ. What about you? Are you ready to accept the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Are you ready to begin a relationship with Him, or at least learn more about Him? We are here to help. We have a website we'd like for you to visit. It is findpeacewithgod.net. You know, that site also has a lot of resources to help those who are already followers of Christ grow deeper in their faith. The address again is findpeacewithgod.net. Also, if you're already a believer and you know someone who's wrestling with the same kinds of doubts and questions that Lee Strobel had, you might want to share this episode with them. In just a minute, Lee is going to talk about miracles. You're listening to GPS. God. People. Stories. A production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Ladies and gentlemen, if I did not believe that Christ bodily rose from the grave, I would quit preaching. Billy Graham. 
For centuries, the Old Testament prophets looked down through the corridors of time and predicted that Christ would rise again. They predicted every event in his life, and Jesus fulfilled every event according to prophecy. We have the documented testimony of those who were eyewitnesses to his resurrection. Peter, a partaker of Christ's resurrection, said, And we are witnesses of all things which he did in Jerusalem. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Some of the greatest lawyers and jurists of history have become convinced that the proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the greatest attested facts of history. However, if I had none of these proofs, I still would know that Christ lives because he lives in my heart. He lives at the right hand of God the Father at this moment, but he also lives in the lives of those who have been transformed by his grace. Do you know him? You can receive him right now into your heart by faith, and he can transform your life. You can hear the rest of that message in its entirety at the Billy Graham Audio Archives. Just go to BillyGrahamRadio.org. That's BillyGrahamRadio.org. And once you're in the archives, search for this message title, Proof of the Resurrection. Our guest has written several books about the truth of the resurrection. His most famous one is probably The Case for Christ. It was made into a movie last year, and now he, Lee Strobel, has a new book out. It's titled The Case for Miracles. Lee spent two years researching reports of miracles, and he came away saying that God really is still in the miracle business. But the book also looks at those times when God doesn't provide a miracle. I interviewed uh, a philosopher, Ph.D., of the name of Douglas Grotheis, whose wife is dying of a brain condition that is slowly causing her to lose her memory and lose her mind. And it will ultimately kill her unless God intervenes. And they've been praying for a miracle for years, and it has not happened. And uh, I talked to him about that, and it is probably the most powerful chapter I've had in any of my books, because... He understands as a philosopher the theology behind this, the philosophy behind the question of why God doesn't always heal, but he talks from the heart as someone going through it personally. Um, He had to say, you know, God, it doesn't look like you're going to heal her in this world. I know ultimately you will in the next, but, um, you know, sometimes that prayer of relinquishment, as it's called, which is the prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, is a prayer that we need to pray. Um, but why doesn't God heal all the time? Um, we don't know. We don't know. Uh, we know God's ways are above ours, and we don't uh, understand them all. But we know that ultimately he will heal uh, those of us who follow him um, as we enter into the next world. We want to thank Lee Strobel for sharing his story with us, and we want to thank you for listening. We're grateful to have you there. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. Hey, could we ask you to leave comments about GPS wherever you listen to us and to rate us if you listen on iTunes? The feedback is extremely helpful. GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. You